If you have your Bibles, turn back to Mark chapter 1. We're going to not digress, we're going to progress, because nothing can be accomplished without prayer. Can somebody say amen? If you do not have a copy of the How to Pray for Missionaries, that will be the conclusion of the message. Be sure to raise your hand, the ushers will get you one. I might need a copy too, if you got an extra one, amen. But um, prayer is the key, and faith unlocks the door. Can somebody say amen? We talk about prayer, we read about prayer, we preach about prayer. We can probably sing about prayer, but do we pray? That is the question of the hour. And folks, we need to pray as never before for our missionaries. Brought up prayer requests this, um, uh, this afternoon about uh, our school system and elementary schools with um, transgender bathrooms down in Decatur, Georgia, and some little girl gets molested and, uh, and they said that there's nothing they could do because she ought to have known better or something, and it's just a wicked, wicked day we live in. And so if America's that bad, what do you think the world's like? Amen? And so we need to pray as never before. John, uh, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to get right to the chase. And good to see all our visitors with us, and uh, let's continue to pray for the Darty family. Had a good time, a uh, good time, had a, had a uh, prayerful time as we watched the... Uh, uh, service this afternoon uh, from by way of uh, the uh, internet and it was a blessing to hear the eulogy of a great man of God, Dr. Bob Dargery. And we ought to pray for his family and pray that God will encourage the preachers that is one through him. Let's stand on the word of God, Mark chapter 1 verse 35. And in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary, once you underline and circle this next word, place. Say it with me, congregation. Place. And there prayed. And Simon uh, and they that were with him followed after him. When they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and he cast out devils. You may be seated. Father, teach us to pray. God, give us a burden to pray. Lord Jesus, help us to realize the seriousness of not praying, the sin of neglect that it is. God, we plan, we do all kinds of activity, but I believe the devil lasts from the pit of hell we do all our prayerless planning and our prayerless efforts and programs, activities, dear God, help us to realize that prayer is the key. Lord, if you needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? And so, dear God, please help us, God. I've got a lot on my heart, and I don't want to keep all these folks uh, that long, but uh, dear God, we need to pray like Jesus. We need to pray like you. And God, teach us to pray tonight. Please uh, burn in our hearts. Uh, the need for praying for our missionaries in a very precious and powerful way. May we beat the devil off their backs and may we glorify you through our prayer life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, just give you a few definitions of prayer. F.E. Marsh, great uh, uh, theologian, said that prayer is a sin killer. Prayer is a victory giver. And prayer is a holiness promoter. Prayer is an obstacle remover. And prayer is a Christ revealer. Never will you see a clear and more uh, clear vision 
of God than when you pray. Amen? Prayer is ultimately, it is the heart of a man in communion with his creator. And God wants us to commune with him. Communion is developed, enriched, and deepened by communication. Teach that all the time in our couples retreat that communication is a circulatory system of the marriage. If you don't talk to your wife or talk to your husband, something's dead wrong with your marriage. It's stale, stagnant, and dying. But prayer is communicating with God. I mean, it's a circulatory system of your, of your whole Christian life. Prayer is the heart of man talking with the heart of God. Prayer is the vital to the soul of a believer as breathing is vital to the, to the body. We cannot live physically without air, and we cannot live spiritually without prayer. Uh, the inhaling of the Spirit, breath of God, is from the inspired Scriptures. That's the inhale. It necessitates exhaling of our own breath in prayer to complete the cycle of spiritual breathing. In other words, it's inhaling the Word of God, it's exhaling prayer. And we do everything but prayer. Uh, more than this, in prayer we offer praise. Amen. Prayer, prayer is a man's response to God's pursuit of him. Prayer is man's response <clears throat> to God's pursuit of him. Prayer is pausing long enough, which is the problem with America, where our activity is sometimes an anesthetic for unspirituality. We're always busy. But prayer is pausing long enough to hear him calling you to himself and turning around to embrace him. Prayer is the natural action of the soul yearning uh, for its creator, sustainer, savior, and lover. Prayer is begging God to do what only God can do. Yet it's more than that. It's praising him. And the spirit of believers turning from the flesh to enable the spirit of the living God in order to gain audience with the heavenly father to plead with him for some blessing to be released through Jesus Christ unto this world. Paul Bunyan, Paul Bunyan, John Bunyan, 16, uh, 1688. He's a lumberjack, wasn't he? But anyway, anyway um, prayer is a sincere, this is what he said in 1688. Amen? 1688, that's pretty old. Uh, prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ. In the strength and assistance of a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for such things as God has promised. I like what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said about prayer. Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscle of omnipotence. Let me repeat that. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Everything depends upon it. If we lack anything in our life, it's because we have not asked for it. You have not because you ask not. If we fail to touch the nerve that moves the omnipotent God for our missionaries, then I believe they're in jeopardy. I believe they're in deep jeopardy. And that, that concerns me personally because I have some grandbabies and I have a baby. She's still my baby over in, Af in darkest Africa. And I want to say this, friend. We, the missionary fails because they fail to pray. But wait a minute. It's not just their fault. It's our fault. And folks, the air support in this warfare is prayer. Now I want you to notice the, the, uh, 
the text, and I'll just take about 10 minutes on it, and then I want to close with a lesson. I've never done this on Sunday night where I've had a handout. This is kind of different. Um, and a lot more people come when they knew they was having a handout. Amen. You'll get that later. Amen. Handout. Okay. <clears throat> we was eating, we'd have a full house. But anyway, look at this. But how about a prayer meeting? That ought to pack the house too. Amen. But uh, folks, I want you to see, first of all, in uh, our text, Mark chapter 135, and I skipped over that to come to the, uh, it takes four to bring one this morning. But then the Holy Spirit says, you better go back. Because folks, we'll never bring anybody to Jesus and we'll never help anybody unless we first learn to pray. Amen? You know, it's only by the grace of God some of you are not in a terrible accident on the way to church. Missed it by a few seconds, Brother uh, Pete was testifying. And I want to tell you something, you never know. You're one heartbeat, one curve, one hilltop away from eternity. So I hope that everybody's caught praying. Amen? And not complaining because of the traffic jam. Amen? Praying. Let's pray for those uh, families that probably suffered some deaths this afternoon. But I want to say this, first of all, we see the spirit of prayer in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And folks, it says, rising up, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day. The spirit of prayer is this, earnestness. Rising up a great while before day. I want to tell you something, friend, you've got to be earnest to get up early. You're earnest about your job, you're earnest about your school, you're earnest about uh, going fishing and catching the big mouth bass. Uh, you get up early. You just get up early. You, you're earnest about keeping your job. You get there on time. So therefore, you're early. The day uh, before uh, this, our Lord got up early. He taught in the synagogue all day. He cast out demons. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. That proves that Peter was not the first pope. Say amen right there. Amen. Mother-in-law, get it? Popes don't marry. They should, but they just add something to the Bible. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, then in the evening, he ministered a long time healing the sick, cast out demons. I mean, it was a whole 12 hours of ministry. But before the sun came up, he got up early with spiritual rest and refreshment from another world, and he prayed. The flesh was probably tired, but the spirit was willing. Uh, it's an earnest spirit. It's an early spirit. Probably in the last watch between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. early. Folks, I want to tell you something. This tells me that if prayer was a priority to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, how much more should it be a priority in our life? Say amen. We do everything but prayer. We do flare prayers. We're going through an intersection and three lady drivers are headed to hit you. Pardon the expression. You pray quickly. Amen. You pray with your eyes open. You get in trouble and lose everything you have. You pray quickly. You pray in a panic. Well, folks, we ought to pray early. Him in the day early, and it won't come unraveled by noon. Amen. Early. Prayer and the Word of God is the best way to begin your day. Early. And then we see the separation, not only the spirit of prayer, but we see the separation in prayer. We see that he uh, separated himself from the popularity and the crowd. He left the comforts of home. He went out, the Bible says. And then early in the morning, look at it, a great while before day, he went out. He went out. Often means forsaking the comforts of life. Folks, turn the TV off and pray. Never is there a waking moment that we don't hear the blares of the TV. Some people think it's too quiet unless the TV's blaring or the radio or you're talking or somebody else is talking. But folks, what about the time with God? 
And so, folks, he left his community, he left his companions, and then I see the seclusion for the prayer. It says a place of prayer. Uh, he desired to go to that place of prayer. Now, I just want to say this, and I'll close my message and get into the teaching, is that, folks, if you don't have a place of prayer, you probably don't pray much. You ought to have a place to pray. And if you just pray when you're in church, that's just religion. That might be for a show. Uh, that might be because you're called on. Folks, he had a place of prayer. If our Lord had a place of prayer, we need a place of prayer. And I don't think you have to go out in the woods and the snow and find a log. You can have your best chair before everybody gets up as your prayer altar. Kitchen table prayer altar. Wherever. You can't kneel, sit. You can't kneel, lie. But don't just pray in the car at the last minute because you realize at the end of the day you hadn't said a word to Jesus. Folks, listen, it's not a leftover, it's a first fruit. And folks, it's the center of prayer to God Almighty. He prayed, he prayed. The Bible says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and he prayed, prayed, he prayed. Um, through the Bible, we see in Luke 6, 12, he prayed all night. He prayed um, continually. Uh, he prayed... Uh, that he might not enter into temptation. He prayed for his disciples. And you know, uh, I want to close this message by saying probably the priority of prayer is summed up in what he did once he got off his knees. He was probably praying for what he was about to do. Look at verse 36. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said to him, All men seek for thee. He wasn't looking for exaltation at that moment. He was not looking for popularity. He was not looking for a following. But look at verse 38. And he said to them, let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there. Also for therefore, I, it says, and for therefore, it says, also for therefore came I forth. He's saying, Listen, I'm praying about what I came to do. And I came to preach the gospel and fulfill the death, burial, and resurrection as the sinless Lamb of God. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Before we ever preach, there must be a lot of prayer. Before we ever witness, there ought to be a lot of prayer. If Jesus had to pray about his preaching, who are we not to pray for the preacher? And I want to tell you something, friend. The only reason I'm here for 40 years going on 41 is because somebody's beat the devil off my back and prayed for me because the discouragement would have set in by now. Distraction. Folks, you do you realize you can ruin your ministry in one night of sin? You can lose your testimony. And folks, I don't believe there's a sin that could not be prevented if we'd watch and pray that we enter not in temptation. Amen. I believe there's not a sin. That we, that, we, that we could not have victory over before it ever hatched in our life towards hell, from hell, if we prayed all the time, early in the morning. I mean, appointed time, appointed place. And folks, he wasn't interested in popularity. He had a message. He had a, he had a plan. He had a schedule, and that was declare. I must. Look at that word. He said, he said and, and straightly charged and forthwith he went away, verse 43. But he said, I may preach there also. There was an urgency there. I must needs go through uh, Samaria. 
a place of urgency in our prayer, a place of schedule. He said, I'm going to the next town, the other city. God said, I'm going to stay on track. And the ministry, after he got off his knees, was preach and edify the saints. And I believe with all my heart, he was praying, not just for himself, but he was praying for laborers. Divine authority in God's schedule. It's doing what God's called you to do. We're to evangelize the world. But wait a minute, we're so busy that we think a conference, some of you can't even come to the conference, you think a conference is going to help those missionaries, you got another thought coming. It's prayer after the conference. It's prayer after the revival. You think preaching is going to help them? Yes, it helped them if they listened by way of, of um, uh, the Internet. But thank God, friend, what will really help them is you leave the revival on your knees praying for them every day, praying for them as we ought to pray, and pray that their preaching would be effective and their reaching would be effective. And folks, listen, God help us if we think they don't need our prayers and that our money is a substitute for prayer. No, it's not. We need to pray. We need to pray. And he preached in the synagogues. Luke chapter 4, he preached in hostility. He preached uh, God's message. Uh, it doesn't uh, uh, assure popularity, but he gained the approval of God. I believe he's praying, Lord, I want to please you. You know what I really believe ought to saturate our prayer life? is the approval of God. I believe that we ought to pray this, Thy will be done, but get down to His will. And His will is not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, we ought to pray that the missionaries would not come home discouraged. They would not come home defeated. That they would not give up. They would not quit. We need to pray for laborers. What did Jesus pray for, you think? Well, I can tell you what He prayed for, exactly what He all through the gospel talked about more than anything, and that's laborers. The book of Mark is about being a servant. He's a servant, but he's praying for other servants. He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for himself. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 9 in closing, verse 37 through 38, and then we'll have this short lesson on prayer. Matthew chapter 9. Now, I've got three fingers pointing back at me, and I feel so unworthy to to, uh, God never called us to preach all the time. God called us to pray all the time. Amen? God didn't call us to be in church all the time. God called us to pray all the time. Folks, prayer ought to be a preeminent priority in our life because it's the breath of God. Inhaling is a scripture. Exhaling is prayer. Folks, we need to be in communion with God. They prayed. The place was shaken. They all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with bonus, Acts 31. But Acts 4.13 says... They took knowledge of them because they'd been with Jesus. Folks, I'm afraid we're not with Jesus. I'm afraid our missionaries are coming back from the field because they hadn't been with Jesus or we hadn't prayed for them to be with Jesus. They're out of communion. They're out of sync. They're trying to do this in the flesh. It will not last. It will not last. But look at Mark chapter 9, or Matthew chapter 9, please. And I want you to see what he's praying for. He's praying for laborers. And then I want to close with how you can pray for laborers. Matthew chapter 9. I'll be there in just a minute. I failed to mark this scripture. It says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. 
Folks, we saw the need this week. We saw some great videos. I saw those five little kids at the Lauderville's hauled up here and she could hardly make the interview because she was trying to feed all of them. He, 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 I said, do you have a prayer request? And he swelled up a little tears in his eyes and he said, this devastation is about to kill us. I said, well, that's honest. I'm glad he didn't say everything's great. Praise God. But folks, I mean, he's hauling those five kids around and they're going church to church. They're on display. They can't have ketchup on the tie. They might not can sing the best of any quartet we've had, but I want to tell you something. Their heart's right with God. God will use them. God will help them. It was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. You don't know this, but there's more missionaries coming off the field than going on the field. Recently at Macedonia World Baptist Missions, a man that was doing a great work in China left the field because his wife got sick. He got bitter at his wife for getting sick. He had an affair and left his wife and five children by themselves and went on his fleeing. We dropped him, of course, but I thought, my goodness, maybe we should have prayed for him while he was in China. Maybe we should have prayed he not get bitter, but he says they fainted. How many missionaries are quitting because they have no air support? They're in a warfare, and all they depend on is what they're doing in the foxhole when we could send the air support and bomb the whole place, all, all the demons of hell could be put in their places if we'd pray. But we're too busy in America. We're too busy making a living. We're too busy trying to make a buck. We're too busy trying to play games. We're too busy to come to church. What about prayer? What about prayer? Because they fainted. And listen to this. They were scattered abroad as sheep and have no shepherd. Could that mean... A lot of shepherds are leaving the field and the sheep are wandering. Look at this. Then said he unto his disciples. Now he tells us what he was praying for. Because Jesus is not a hypocrite. What he tells others to pray for, I guarantee you on that early morning prayer meeting, he was praying for the same thing. It says, the harvest truly is plenteous. Didn't pray for the harvest though. But the labors are few. Look at verse 38, Matthew 9. You with me? Say Amen. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest, into his harvest. Now Jesus gave us a prayer request. Only once in Scripture we find that he asked his believers to pray specifically for anything. And nowhere did he ask us to pray for the harvest that it would bring forth much fruit. Rather, Jesus said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers, the laborers are few. And could I add, the laborers are quitting. The laborers are overcome. The laborers are discouraged. And the laborers are falling into sin. I'll get to this in just a minute, but I want to tell you something. When we send a missionary into the kingdom of hell, we ought to back them up in prayer. Folks, a lot of the places they're going to is demon-oppressed and many demon-possessed. They'd soon kill a man of God or a lady of God or a children of God than anything they know. But the only thing that restrains them is prayer. The Lord of the harvest sent forth his labors. We've been commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Can somebody say amen? But we all can't go. And we're not going to surrender to go. But I'll tell you what we, are, we can do. 
and the most we can do and the thing that we ought to do is pray like Jesus prayed. Earnest, separated, have a place of prayer. First of all, in your outline, first of all, we need to pray for the missionary's personal needs. Personal needs. Call their name in prayer. Pray for missionaries' children by name. You with me now? I'm saying, folks, they have personal needs. Here's a rule. If you'll, you go to candidate school or you go to missionary school, the first rule is this. Set up the household first, then start the church. Because I'm going to tell you why. A wife has a personal need to have a kitchen. And the husband has a personal need to eat there. Say amen, man. Praise God. We can get in on that. Hallelujah. They have a personal need for a living room. They have a personal need for a family. We just send these people overseas and think they can give up their whole family. No, it ought to enhance their family. But I want to tell you something, friend. The devil divides and conquers one family at a time. Like that missionary in China. Call their name. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their home. Then number two, we need to pray for the missionary's personal relationship with God. I want, you to, I want, to, I want to give you something profound tonight. Missionary, missionaries are people just like you. And they have spiritual conflicts just like you. They, have, they are not superhuman because they have missionary on their name tag. They are flesh and bones. Many a time, they have a stronger onslaught of hell upon them because they're on the front lines against demons of hell trying to further the gospel where it's not good old America, even though good old America's becoming corrupt by the minute. Folks, Satan is trying to stop our missionaries' personal relationship. And if they stop abiding, they're fruitless. Folks, they're hopeless, and they're defeated. We're going to pray for their personal needs. We're going to pray for their relationship with God. Then we need to pray for the missionaries' um, physical and emotional needs. Good health is so needed. How many of you that don't feel good usually don't show up around here? This morning, I thought it was going to be the first time I missed in a long time. Because I, I was a janitor in the drum. You ever had a head cold where you couldn't even think or, and you kept hearing yourself more than you hear anybody else and you had a headache and you just really just wanted to turn over and take a Cedron PM and go back to bed? But folks, when you don't feel good, you can't, you can't serve good. I think you ought to serve by faith, but it sure helps to feel good. And folks, we ought to pray that these missionaries would not catch these diseases. I'll never forget one time... Uh, Brother Randy surprised me and showed up in Peru to help them give me a doctor's degree in Arequipa, Peru. And I remember he drank the water. For 10 days, I did not see him. For 10 days, he was in a place called the Cabano. Amen. And I mean, he was sick as a doggo. Amen. I mean, he, he was, it was rough. Uh, and he showed up the service to help. But I'm telling you something, he drank the water. 
drink the water. And folks, I want to tell you something. I learned a long time ago that the physical needs of our missionaries ought to be prayed for. But the emotional needs. Do you know how many people are coming off the field because of nervous breakdowns by wives? And I'll tell you why they have nervous breakdowns. Their little innocent girl is seduced by some satanic older teenager and falls into sin and runs away from home and shames the name of the missionary and all they want to do is find her so they can get a plane ticket and get out of there and forget the ministry and come home and try to get some sanity because mama's done lost it. Now whose fault is that? Mama? No, maybe it's our fault for not praying for that little teenage girl by name. Folks, it's emotional onslaught from Satan to cause worry and depression. Mother's dying back home, and I want to go home and just be with my mother. The man of God wants to take China for Jesus, and he don't want to leave. What's that cause in the marriage relationship? The kids chime in with mom, and they all want to leave. And there's a trauma. And I know they ought to come home and be with mama, but not come home and stay home. But folks, that's what Satan's saying. Hey, listen, you served God. You gave up America. You gave up the comforts. Now your mama's dying back home. <clears throat> we need to pray for the missionaries' personal needs, for their relationship with God, for emotional needs and physical needs. We need to pray against discouragement, depression, loneliness, homesickness. You ever been homesick? I go on vacation, I get home sick. <laughs> Amen. Pray that the missionaries can make the necessary adjustments. The necessary adjustments. That's point something under one. To live on their field of labor, making time. Many times missionaries have the extreme climates, but that doesn't really bother them as much as extreme culture. Culture. Folks, it's a strange world out there. I was preaching... Um, and already keep for the first time, and man, I was just a preaching away, and I, 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 I gave the symbol. Okay. Brother Austin grabbed me and said, don't make that symbol again. I said, I just said okay, and that, that symbol is a vulgar symbol down in Arequipa. I was just telling everybody off, amen? I ain't going to tell you what it is, amen? So Y'all can figure it out for yourself, especially you ex-sellers. But anyway, uh, I didn't know I was cussing. I didn't know I was vulgar. It's a strange thing. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. It's the most embarrassing thing is when people start making fun of you and laughing when you're trying to speak their language. And it happens to every missionary that tries. They laugh them down. They make fun of them. The devil sets up some embarrassing situations to make the missionary feel like, man, I'll never adjust to this culture. It's strange. It's foreign. So we need to pray for adjustments. And then we also need to pray for protection as they travel, often under adverse conditions. You just don't know. I took a trip from Arequipa to Chile. And I want to tell you something, friend. I was scared to death. And some of y'all made a, the same tr uh, trip on a bus to Bolivia. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. You'd look over and there would be nothing but air over a cliff that that old bus had one 
one inch of spare road to get through as they were traveling. Scare, your, scare the hound dog out of you, amen? I mean, it was scary. I trusted God, but I didn't trust that driver. He acted like an idiot. He was flying through those mountains. And I said, what, what in the world? We're all going to perish. We need to pray for protection. Number two, we need to pray for an effective ministry. That's the personal needs. We need to pray for an effective ministry of the missionary. You know, the Lord's able to open doors, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16 that they can be effectual, but there's many adversaries. God's opened many effectual doors, but there's many adversaries. And I'll tell you, the adversary that wants to stop all ministry is the devil, the flesh, the world. Folks, we need to pray that God would open doors for our missionaries. We need to pray and ask Jesus to make the missionaries effective soul winners. Effective soul winners. Folks, if they don't win people to the Lord, what are they doing down there? And what good is all the buildings of buildings and the schools if they don't win souls, if they don't learn and, and are effectual ser, ser, servants, sold out, filled with the Spirit of God, soul winners. Then we need to pray they can communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people who may have never heard before. What a miracle. Never heard before. And here's a fellow that's going to communicate it and he can't get the language. And they need to have boldness and spiritual understanding dealing with people whom they minister to. I was thanking God for the Cronins, just hillbillies from Tuttle Hill in Ringo, Georgia, and he said something very impressive to me. He said, we got to build relationships in Wales because they don't accept anything face value. They're religionists. They've been turned off. And folks, listen, that old boy ain't got a chance unless he does build relationships. You don't have a chance in the ministry unless you build relationships. That's why you ought to love sinners and learn to be tactful, but learn to be wise. Then learn to be bold and learn to have the power of God on your life and be led and prompted to speak to people about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as if they've never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. So we need to pray. We need to pray for them to be effective soul winners. and We need to pray they'll communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I skipped one. Pray for revival for each nation and region of our world. So they need revival. Revival is a stirring of the Spirit of God that no man can explain. Let me hurry and say this because a lot of you are going to rush home and pray, I know, and I want you to go ahead and do that. But, um, folks, we need to pray that God's love will fill the missionaries. We pray that God's love will fill the missionaries hearts for people they desire to win. Pray for God's anointing to rest upon the missionaries and their efforts. Folks, we're not sending robots. We're not sending computer extensions. We're not sending loudspeakers. We're sending human beings that are, are in love with God and love souls so much that they're giving up everything they got to go to a lost and dying world. And folks, we need to pray that will remain the motive. 
that the love of God will constrain them, that the love of God will keep them on the field, that the love of God will cause them to risk their lives, their families, all that they have to be a missionary. I admire missionaries. We need to pray for freedoms to preach the gospel that the people will be responsive. The people will be responsive. Folks, I really believe with all my heart that God opens the heart just as He's opened your heart to receive this message. He's got you here for a reason. And folks, I really believe this. Page two. Relationships are very important to all of us, even more so in the life of a missionary. Many times they have few close friends, perhaps their family. Ask the Lord to keep the missionary's family together knit together, husband and wife, parent and children. I want to tell you how the devil is sending a lot of missionaries home shamefully. The teenager can't hack it. I mean, it's one thing for a teenager to rebel at Whitfield Baptist Church and not listen, look like death warmed over when they come in here, won't look up at me, won't have no contact. But what do you think it does to a missionary on the mission field when the little kid gets rebellious and when the little kid gets bitter and little kid wants to go home and live a normal worldly American life and be a football player but he's on the field where it's it's soccer and it's nothing and it's woods and it's wilderness and it's all strange to him folks we need to pray for those teenagers and those kids we need to pray for them by name Brother Kevin Hall is a tremendous missionary, but if all his kids grow up and start rebelling and living like hellions, he's finished. So I pray for him by name. Brother Jeremy and Sister Rebecca have another child, and, and they're on a the field, and, and Sweto is just growing, and it's just great, and he's learning the language. I never thought uh, Jeremy would do that, but he is just so determined. He's going to learn everything he can and relate to people and love people. I wonder if his boys or girls grow up and fall into sin. He's finished. They have to come home. And folks who ought to pray the devil off their back. I'm just getting very practical here. That's why I wanted you to take this home with you. Folks, it's not just praying, oh God, bless the missionaries in Jesus' name, amen. It's, oh Lord, they got children. And Lord, fill them with your love. Fill them with responsive people, but God, guard their relationship. You know that you know it, you know it, you know it. It's happening in this church. But the devil can split marriages. He kills he kills the people's attendance. You have people bitter right now that want him to come to the house of God. We have people now that uh, hate our church, and they used to be leaders in this church because they're sin. And they've left their husband and left their children. And they've committed adultery. Where did that start? Somebody didn't beat the devil off their back and they didn't pray together and they didn't have a oneness in their marriage they should have had. And they should uh, keep the water fresh at home. And folks, how much more on the mission field? How much more on the mission field? How much more is the devil targeting them? I preached an ordination service uh, a few years back and the second preacher got up and says, nah, and the little couple standing right there, I think it was Eric and his wife, Brown, over at New Life, and the preacher got up and says, now there's a target on your back. And I said, oh, that's not right. 
There's a target on their heart. Satan wants to destroy and divide their hearts for each other, for God, for the things of God. Let's pray that if there's more than one missionary uh, working in the country, that they'd have unity. You'd be surprised how many missionaries fight like churches, you know. They fight with each other. They hate each other. They're in competition with each other. That's so, un, that's so un, unspiritual. It goes on all the time in America. It goes all the, on, to, on the mission field. We need to pray for them. Then we need to pray for a good relationship among the national workers. Would you write that down? The missionaries are in no way superior to those among whom they work. They're training them. If they're going to be effective, they need to have some good lulabalos because he can reach, he can keep on reaching the people because he lives there. Amen? And they don't think he's some gringo that can pad their little pocketbook. They know he's broke just like they are. But they listen to him and they see the change life. We need to pray for the nationals that work with these missionaries. And folks, I want to tell you something. What almost killed Kevin and many missionaries, and Brother Austin and others, is when the nationals that they train and poured their life into go out and get drunk or go out and get a woman or go out into sin and just live contrary to all they've been trained. And folks, I'm going to tell you, I know the feeling. And to a leader, you just feel like a failure and you feel like just quitting. Several years back, I almost resigned this church and I didn't tell anybody because of two families sin in this church. The cloud came over me like never before. Depression came over me. I just wanted to quit. I said, I'm not a good pastor if that could happen in, in our church. The devil whispered me every night, why didn't you see it? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you, why didn't you interrupt that affair? I didn't know about it. But then when I found out about it, the devil used it in a tremendous way. How much more if I'd poured my life out into a national preacher and he falls into sin? Pray for those co-workers. Let me close. I'm getting too personal here, but I'm trying to get your attention. We need to pray that the Lord will help the missionary develop good national leaders that will multiply their efforts. That will multiply their efforts. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. A national can get the job done, but he needs a missionary to supervise him. I don't believe in just sending nationals on their own. They need a man of God to train them, correct them, rebuke them, help them, love them, and go after them when they, when they want to go to the left, or when they want to go wayward to good doctrine. They need that missionary. And then we need to pray, and this is a great need exists, to pray for the countries where the missionaries live and minister, and including that prayer of the governmental leaders of the nations and the political situation. Do you know that politicians can kill missionaries? That politicians can put them in jail? And a lot of times those politicians are Muslims that hate God, that are claiming a holy jihad against God. Folks, take, take the gates over in, and the gazaways over in Egypt. All the government has to do is, is uh, make an edict against their ministry and they're out of business. They have no place to meet 
and they're probably in jail. We need to pray for governmental leaders. Then we need to pray that the missionaries would find favor in the eyes of those in high places that can help further the gospel. In that same country of Egypt, it's amazing how the gates have had great opportunities open to them to have buildings and schools and ministries that blows people's minds because it's never been done before in that country because they got favor with a leader. Then pray for any special meetings in that country where the missionaries are located, such as revivals, crusades, and conferences. Let me close by saying we need to pray for the establishment of a strong national church for national leaders and ministers as they carry forth the same great commission. I'm not talking about an ecumenical thing. I'm talking about, praise God, places where they can be discipled and trained to evangelize the world. We need to pray for schools and Bible colleges. We need to pray for training. We need to pray for discipleship. Amen? We need to pray for students and teachers and staff. We need to pray to multiply their, their effort. And if they did get killed or they did get jailed or they got run out of the country, the nationals could keep on going for God because there's some mighty man of God that's been trained in one of these Bible schools. Let me just say we need to pray depending upon God. We need to pray fasting. Amen. We need to pray for fasting. It availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to pray, number two, down at the bottom, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 through 25, and I want to read that. We need to pray believing. You know what our problem is? We don't believe God answers prayer. We really don't. If we did, we'd be in prayer meeting. We really would. Hey, listen, if I said I was giving out $1,000 to everybody that came into glory class, we'd have people we'd never seen before crowding in that place. Amen? We'd have people that's never been to Sunday night service in their life showing up for $1,000. Folks, we pray for much more than $1,000. Folks, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 is some of the most convicting verses on prayer in the Bible. Mark chapter 11. I'll close with this. Our time's up. And I put on myself. The Bible says, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what thing soever you desire when you pray, what's the next word, class? Believe that you receive them. And what's it say? And ye shall have them. Folks, we need to pray believing. I believe we ought to pray for our missionaries and believe that God is going to answer that prayer. I believe we need to pray with an obedient heart. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. 1 John 3, 22. 1 John 3, 22. Here's another convicting verse. The Bible says, Whatsoever you ask, you receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Pleasing in his sight. Folks, if you're not pleasing in his sight, you are not going to have your prayers answered. That's why you cannot live in sin and pray as a saint. I want you to turn to Proverbs 28, verse 9. Proverbs 28, verse 9. I wasn't going to pray, I was not going to read this, but it's too powerful a verse 
to overlook. Proverbs 28, verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be an abomination. Hear means heed. Hear means, did you hear me? My mother, you say, did you hear me? She wasn't asking an audible question. She was asking a volitional question. Did you hear me? Are you going to obey me? I'd say, yes, ma'am. And folks, then the wrath of mama would not be upon me, but the blessings of mama would be upon me. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you're not hearing the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, your prayers are an abomination to God. That's a strong verse. Folks, listen. You backslide, you hurt our missionaries. If you cannot pray, you hurt our missionaries. Could I say it a little more distinctly? You put them in jeopardy. And I take that very personal in my own life. If I backslide, I don't read my Bible every day, I don't want to come to church, I don't listen, I don't obey, I can't even pray for my own daughter. And neither can you. And then last but not least, we ought to pray persistently. Anybody can start praying, but will you continue to pray? We ought to keep on knocking. Because he said, if you'll knock and you'll ask and you'll seek, you shall find. Folks, we need to pray and fast. We need to pray believing. We need to pray obedient, pleasing the Lord. We need to pray persistently. Now, this hasn't been the most dynamic sermon I've ever preached. It's been more like a Sunday school lesson. Matter of fact, I taught this in Bath, Michigan in 2015 in Sunday school. Thought I'd just teach it again. But what good is a mission conference and what good is a faith promise offering? And what good is putting all these flags up and feeding all these missionaries if we're not going to really pray for them? And not be on praying grounds and believe that our prayers would make a difference. So I want you to get a prayer list and we'll, we'll update it as soon as we take on more missionaries. And when it says Thursday missionaries, I hope on that Thursday you'll purpose earnestly to get up early, find a solitary separated place, and pray like Jesus. Because Jesus prayed for the laborers. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the lesson. Thank you for the message. I want to thank you for praying for us. And I want to thank you for our missionaries. And I want to ask you to forgive us if we're not praying as a church like we ought to pray. Lord, give us a prayer burden. And God, give us some prayer discipline. And help us to pray for laborers like you prayed for them. Fill them with compassion. Meet their personal, emotional needs. Lord, beat the devil off their back. Guard and protect their homes. Oh, God, oh, God, please give them fruit for their labors. God, give them a love that overflows. Lord, please help us to find a place in the morning.
pray for our missionaries.